Grace on Fire, episode 85. You're listening to Grace on Fire, home of Grace Nation. It's not just another podcast. It's the voice of a movement. Join now at MyGraceNation.com. MyGraceNation.com. And welcome, Grace Nation. Super excited to have you back. It's going to be another good one. And hello, Grace Nation, and welcome to the show. My name is the Reverend Dr. Smitty, a.k.a. the Reverend Dr. Jonathan G. Smith. And I'm super excited to have on the show today a very special interview uh, with a very dear lady of mine, someone that I just find absolutely just inspiring and incredible, someone that is pursuing their uh, the call of God in their life, someone who is daring to say no to the general convention of our culture, which is to say when you get to retirement, to call it quits, to say no more, I'm done. All of those things, and beloved, I just have to say this, that when I think about this person, I think about somebody who is just demonstrating incredible, incredible, incredible courage. And so, welcome to the show. And you know, on today's show, this whole show is really just dedicated to my friend, Don Loomis. Don Loomis happens to be a member of... uh, Redeemer Anglican Church. Uh, one of my very first interviews was summoned from the from my church, which is exciting for me because as a pastor, um, I've often wanted and desired to bring Grace on Fire and Redeemer Anglican Church in. And this lady has just been one of those people inside my church where I have just been so inspired. And so the title of this show is this, Finding Your Life Purpose at the age of 66. You know, sometimes when we talk about finding your life purpose and crafting your life for a higher purpose, that sometimes that that conversation is shifted towards younger people. It's shifted towards those in their 20s. And and sometimes we talk about people uh, in their 30s, maybe even the entrepreneur in their 40s who are trying to, um, you know, make a career transition. But this 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 wonderful wonderful lady is the is doing this at the age of sixty six. Now, usually at the age of sixty six, people are not trying to raise money and embark on a new mission and a new career. Usually, they're winding things down. But Don is saying, "No way, no way! I see a need here. There is a purpose for me. There is yet work to be done in God's kingdom." And so, I'm so excited to bring this interview to you, and I hope that you will be inspired, whatever age you are, wherever you are in life, by this incredible journey of Don Loomis. Let's get into our interview for the day. And now, it's time for our feature presentation. Well, thank you so much, Grace Nation, for listening to this. And on today's episode, I have the opportunity to do something that is an absolute privilege, and that is... I actually have a member of my church, Redeemer Church in Castleberry, 
who has been willing to come on the show. And this is this is a real thrill for me as a pastor because um, this lady, I, I've had the opportunity, I've known her now for several years. I, I've walked with her on an incredible journey and her name is Don Loomis. And she is undertaking something that I think is just fantastic. And that is that she is pursuing a life of a higher purpose. And so, Don, thank you so much for being willing to come on the show and welcome. Thank you very much, uh, Father Jonathan. First of all, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and where you and I have come from on this journey that you are undertaking. Well, um, I'll start with me first, and then I'll, uh, I'll let the, the listeners know how we met. Um, I, I'm um, a 66-year-old a woman. Uh, I've lived all over the country. I've done many things. Um, I've spent most of my life as a librarian and uh, most of my life supporting people who have been in ministry in some form or fashion uh, either being a, a at-home um, support for someone who actually was a missionary in another country or uh, just someone who uh, goes on short-term missions uh, when I was much younger. Um, and uh, just know that even though I may not be able to go out there, there are people out there that need our support. And there, there, is things, there are things that I can do whether I'm at home or whether I am on the road in order to um, bring God glory and promote um, his, his joy in seeing people come to him. So. Well, Don, I, I, I want to just start off because I know you, and you said something that I think is pretty profound here, is that you spend most of your life as a librarian, and, uh, but you are now embracing on a journey to become a missionary of sorts yourself, right? Yeah, I am. Um, I, I, several years ago, I decided I didn't really want to be a librarian anymore um, after 40 years of doing that. And uh, But I've always been in technology, uh, mostly in computers, uh, working uh, in the background on database management, etc. And I decided to branch out from the library world and just go into technology in uh, computer support and database management. And while doing that, I just started volunteering for an organization called Wycliffe Bible Translators. Um, it was an opportunity for me to, once again, support missionaries uh, by uh, working with the IT department at Wycliffe. Uh, it, and their location is actually, their home location is right here in Orlando. Um, and, um, and also uh, getting some practical experience in, an, in a world that isn't a library. Um, and as a result of that volunteering and listening to the Lord, he's really led me to understand that it wasn't a mistake that I started volunteering at Wycliffe. It really was his hand leading me um, and uh, changing my volunteering act actually into becoming a member of Wycliffe Bible Translators to be a missionary here at home. Yeah, and I, I, so, Don, so lot, lots of people that listen to this show are probably wondering, and I'm going to ask you, you know, you're never supposed to ask this question, but I want to actually ask the question. Tell the audience how old you are. I will be 66 uh, in August. 66. Now, I want to go back because this is important. Sometimes 
sometimes when we listen to interviews of people, particularly younger people who are trying to raise money, we, we often think about uh, people who want to go into ministry. And, and very often it's younger people that are doing that. But you actually have lived a life and you're, you're getting to that age of 66 and you're saying, God's not done. I'm ready to start my next season of my life. I think that's really awesome. How did, how did you come to this point. Take us back. I remember, I want to say it was four years ago. I remember you, you were working at Disney World and and I remember you coming to the church, just dragging yourself into church because you were doing that because of some career changes and you had to take a job at Disney World. And um, what was that time like for you when you were volunteering at Wycliffe and you were working at Disney, and then you finally decided, no, Wycliffe is what I actually believe God is leading to me. What was going through your mind when all of that was happening? Well, um, I actually um, deliberately took the job at Disney driving a bus uh, because I, I, at, at the beginning, I thought in the change of careers from being a librarian to just working in the wider technology field, um, Disney here in the Orlando area is a huge employer and they have a huge department for technology. And I figured if I could break into the system and uh, then be able to transfer over for technology, that would make sense. Um, and, um, and so I pursued that while I was going to school and getting some additional certifications. But in that process and then getting the, the internship or volunteer job at Wycliffe, um, it, it, it just kept working on my heart. God kept just working on my heart to bring me to a place where I, I saw the difference that um, a Bible can make in someone's own heart language, as we call it at Wycliffe. Um, being able to read the Bible in a foreign language can be exciting. Um, it can be somewhat enlightening, but it, it can't touch your heart the way the, reading the Bible can do it in your own language. Um, and so the, um, it just opened my heart to see what was going on at Wycliffe and what my participation in that meant to the people who were in the field, as well as the people who are just here locally in, in uh, logistics and support. Um, and um, he softened my heart to the point where I understood that being at Disney was not what I was supposed to do. Uh, working until three o'clock in the morning, driving a bus uh, was the reason I was dragging myself uh, to church on Sunday morning. <laughs> and, and some nights, uh, some mornings, not even making it there because I overslept. Um, um, Confession but, time. But the day, yeah, it, the days that I volunteered at Wycliffe were, were what had meaning for me for um, not not driving the bus at Disney, not pursuing anything in the way of technology um, at, at Disney. And, um, and it just was a, it wasn't a, a I, I wouldn't say it was a slow transition, um, but being able to do that is, um, is the focus. There, there really isn't anything else that I do right now that isn't the focus of being able to get to the point where I have I have uh, the prayer support and the other support that I need in order for me to start working uh, full time there and not just be a volunteer. Well, tell us a little bit about this because here you are, 
you're 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 volunteering at Wycliffe, and then you you originally had gone to uh, Disney World to transition into their tech department, and then at Wycliffe, obviously your heart was stirred towards the work that they do. So tell us a little bit about Wycliffe itself. I mean, you talked about that they do Bible translations, but I think that when most people think of Bible translators, they think of people that. You, you know, are, are maybe they're going and listening to tribes and they're handwriting out translations and doing it the old fashioned way. But in reality, it's actually a pretty high tech process that they're doing these days, right? It's a hugely high tech process. Um, if the if the countries that that the uh, translators are in, if their situation can support the technology, sometimes it can't. Um, but if it can support the technology, it is amazing how uh, creative Wycliffe and, and their partner organizations can be in providing generators, solar generators, um, uh, uh, water generators, uh, so that the technology can be used. Um, an example would be um, there's, there's a couple of groups in Europe. And we don't actually think about this, but uh, people who are deaf don't have a relationship to the written word. They, they can look at a written Bible and look at the words, but if they've never heard sound, they don't have a relationship to how to pronounce those words. Uh, uh, what, uh, they have to learn what they mean, but they have a huge relationship to visual um, in the way of sign language and other things. So they're, they're using technology in the way of uh, videos and animation uh, in order to create visual um, uh, sign language Bibles. Uh, they tell the story of the Bible um, uh, visually, and then um, people who are deaf can use those in order to understand what God's word is saying to them and using that in order to enrich their lives and help them to enrich other lives by bringing other people to Christ. Um, another form of uh, technology that's used is our phones, our cell phones. Uh, you and I are talking uh, on, on our phones uh, in order to record this today uh, in foreign countries. Uh, a lot of people have phones. They may not have anything else, but that kind of technology is more widespread than you would think. Um, as a result of that, Bibles are, are being translated into the languages of their heart languages, and it's being recorded audibly. And then it by chapter by chapter, it's being um, disseminated through Bluetooth. And so someone can copy a chapter of a Bible, audio Bible, by Bluetooth to another phone that that disseminates the Bible to people who may never have heard of it. And people come to the Lord that way. So they listen to uh, essentially what I'm going to guess here is they're listening to an audio recording of someone reading the Bible in their own language. Is that what's actually happening? Yes, that's exactly what's happening. The translators do the translations, and once they finish those translations and the locals in their own language say yes, that, that they come to an, uh, an agreement between the, uh, the official translators and the local language groups, and they say yes, this is the final chapter, then someone actually records that, and that goes onto a phone, and they start distributing it. Um, just uh, exponentially by by you know, sending it over Bluetooth. So when we think about so 
uh, so I'm I'm naive to this. So when I think first about Bible translations, I'm thinking about a bound book that sits on my shelf. But you're not actually talking about a bound book necessarily that sits on somebody's shelf, are you? That's correct. Um, it, it could be a bound shelf. Uh, or it could be a video, or it could be an audio. Um, it, it could be simply a, a few pieces of paper because that's what they have so far. Uh, the way that it's distributed, uh, we certainly want them to be able to have the whole Bible. Uh, one of the visions of Wycliffe Bible Translators is called Vision 2025. And um, there are over 1,600 languages, language groups, that have absolutely no Bible. Not a single word of the Bible is in those heart languages. And um, the vision of 2025 is that by 2025, we will have started a translation in every language in the world. Now, that's a huge, huge project to do. We're not saying we're going to finish it, but if we can at least get Every single of those 1,600 languages still waiting for anything in the Bible, we will go a long way towards getting everyone the Bible so that they can hear from God and learn from God on how to conduct their lives. Wow. Wow. It's hard to believe that there's 1,600 language groups still to this day that do not have a copy of the Bible, but I'm curious— because and we've been talking about this for years now, but one of the one of the examples that I remember that you shared with me was how um, a I, I want to say that it was a, a woman, it could have been a man, but it was a story of a person who heard the Bible for the very first time because it was translated into an audio version and they listened to it on the phone. Um, I, I can't even think about who exactly what that was, but that was always the most powerful image to me was to think about yeah. the easy, how easily it is transferable because of the technology today. Yeah, it actually, they, they were making a celebration because they had uh, finished a book of the Bible. I think it was the book of Luke, I, but I'm not sure. Um, and um, they were disseminating it um, by Bluetooth to cell phones. Um, and this woman came to this celebration uh, trying to get something, and she was not a she was not a, a, a Christian, uh, but she felt that you know if uh, she felt led to go to this celebration, so she went there and she presented them with her her phone, and um, they couldn't make the transfer because her phone actually didn't have Bluetooth. It was an older phone, and she didn't have Bluetooth, and she was uh, upset about it. Um, she she wanted to get this gift that they were giving for free. And so she went home and found some, some um, materials that she had at the home that she had been handcrafting. And she went to the market and she sold those things in order to change the phone she had so that it would have Bluetooth. And then she came back and she, she got the book of uh, the Bible that they had translated and she listened to it and, and sh- she was saved. Wow. There's nothing that can't touch your heart when you hear something like that. It, it just, I, it, it, it almost makes me speechless. It just, it just makes my heart just melt that, that how simple it can be with technology for us to go out and um, combine just translation, which, you know, in, in times before the technology, they literally sat down and just with a pen and paper 
wrote out and worked out the translation between whatever language the the heart language was and and the previous translation whether it was in english or what and and um now with technology the things that can happen and the ways that people can come to the lord are just beyond our imagination there's no doubt about that i mean one of the reasons why i do a podcasting simply is the ability to broadcast to an audience that is essentially worldwide if they speak english and they have access to the internet and um, they happen to find me, it, that's what podcasting does. It, it, it's remarkable how the development of communication technology today has revolutionized our connection with people in the rest of the world. I, so, so, Don, here's the question that I have, and that is, okay, this, this, these are amazing stories, but obviously there is a process, that there is a technological infrastructure that goes into supporting the kind of work that's being done worldwide. So can you describe a little bit about what that looks like? Wow. Um, well, tech, it takes technology to keep track of all the finances for all the missionaries that are in the field um, in, in order to have the donations go where they need to go. That's a huge department. Um, the, the actual IT department, um, it, 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 they provide... in infrastructure support for everybody who's here at home as well as uh, um, support in training and um, the actual technology uh, when missionaries come back if they have a particular technology need like they need a computer um, we find a way uh, in order to get them that um, um, we if we have computers that have been um, returned or uh, retired from our um, our usage in other situations around Wycliffe Bible translators, then we'll refurbish those computers and um, and get them to the missionaries that need them so that they can use them. Um, I can't speak about locations, but but uh, there are places where technology really doesn't exist uh, in um, a freeway, we'll call it, um, and yet um, Wycliffe. Cliff Bible translators can make that happen for those missionaries. Uh, so there's um, there's just too many ways to, to sit here this morning and and uh, and give you all of them. But uh, training and supplies and technology itself um, uh, are huge ways that the IT department uh, supports that. And then of course all the other departments, whether it's donor relations or um, whether it's just finances them you know because we all we all have a budget that we have to um, um, maintain in order to stay in the field or maintain our positions with Wycliffe um, everyone's a member um, but uh, but members are also um, who are particularly here at home uh, they're also employees of Wycliffe so um, it, it's a it's a huge organization it takes a huge amount of volunteers and members like me uh, in order to uh, make it all happen. And Wycliffe is very uh, skilled at um, making the dollar uh, go where it needs to go in order for that Bible to get translated. Yeah, and I think it's, it's really important to understand that Wycliffe gets no revenue in terms of selling anything. This is all done uh, essentially free. It's it's giving away these translations, right? They're not a publisher. 
per se. They're not a publisher. They work with uh, other uh, partners in order to uh, actually, you know, print the Bibles, etc., etc. And and these Bibles um, are given away once they're once they're produced, whether it's just like a, 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 the book of Luke is finished for a particular time and they decide to actually publish that in order to disseminate it. Um, uh, once they have that celebration, um, it, then the dedication for a full Bible is something different. Uh, but when they disseminate them however it's appropriate for the, uh, the location that they're working in. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I can imagine that. Um, you, know, you know, again, and I and I'm speaking from an American mindset, and I'm I'm actually thinking about the the person I'm thinking in mind here is, um, you know, you're going in and trying to talk about the mission of Wycliffe, and the average American looks at that and says, well, why don't they just sell something and you know take the money to support their their work, and and that's just not what's going on because so many of the people, the the sixteen hundred people that you're trying to reach. They're, they're not going to have, they barely have the means or may not even have the technology. They may not even have the economy, et cetera, to support uh, something for sale. This is, this is purely missionary work. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so it, because it's missionary work, it very much is reliant on fundraising and raising money to support the mission. So what I wanted to ask you is tell us a little bit about the difference between a volunteer and a member, because you referred to yourself as a member, but obviously you were a volunteer. So what's the difference there? Well, Wycliffe is always interested in people who want to volunteer for them. Um, uh, um, and that's what I did in the beginning. Uh, volunteers uh, give them whatever time they have in order to uh, accomplish the goals of whatever department that they're volunteering in. A member is different in that I've made the commitment that that this organization is um, where I am um, focusing my Christian walk and um, work uh, as opposed to it's just something I do on the side. Um, my goal is to be working at the Wycliffe offices here in Orlando, um, 40 hours a week. It, it'll, it'll be a job for me to do. Um, and in order to do that as a member, um, I am put into the realm of being a missionary and it is my job to, uh, uh obtain my own support through Wycliffe through people who make donations on my behalf to Wycliffe in order for me to have a salary so that I can do that job and work 40 hours a week. But people, so that's the main difference. But what I, so what I would understand you, though, is that they're not giving you money so that you can just go and have a job. That What this is actually doing is that these are people that are partnering with you to provide a crucial technology and pr- crucial support to people that are out on the field. So it it's really is a partnership that you're developing in order that this mission can be accomplished. Yeah, that the, the, the word partnership and partners is the key here. I can't do this job without partners who will partner with me. And if, if a, a partner and I are together, then together we're both missionaries. Um, I, I found out early in my adult Christian life that the um, the difference between a missionary at home and a missionary in the field is very little. Um, but both of them can't do what they do without people who will partner with them. 
And when people partner with those missionaries, they end up becoming missionaries by proxy. Um, they don't, you know, they don't leave the country. They don't go to the foreign land. But because of their support, God is furthered in that situation. And so they are just as much a missionary as the person that they're supporting. Um, and um, it humbles me so much when someone says that they believe in the work of God through Wycliffe. And they believe in, in, in what I have shared with them enough to financially support me. Sorry, I'm getting a little teary there, but, but it just, it really just, it just goes right straight through me uh, that there are people who, who will see the vision the way I see the vision. Um, and um, it, it's just amazing. It, it is. I mean, and Donna, and I've known you, I've been your pastor now for a number of years, and, and to watch you, I mean, really, I, I mean, to watch the growth that I've seen in you over the last couple of years, uh, to see your your other dependence on the Lord, to to see this happen, um, it, it, it's it's just it's so much more. I, I, I'll tell you what I see. What I see here is a woman who is, you know, at the other end of life, not in her 20s, not even in her 30s, who's not idealistic, who's completely sober about the challenges, and yet is saying, I trust the Lord, and and I am willing to do this, and I am willing to work. And um, it, it just, it, it, Don, it always amazes me to talk with you. My faith is always strengthened um, when I hear you describe what your desire is and how God is leading. And, and I, I, I absolutely believe um, that God is going to do some amazing things. In fact, he's already done some amazing things. I know he He sent you a pretty large gift, uh, which totally surprised you, which was a lot of fun to go through that with you. <laughs> yes, that was that was awe, awe-inspiring and um, uh, tongue-tied. Um, yeah, I can't even describe that. But the uh, It was an amazing, um, amazing thing for someone to have done that. And, um, and I... I uh, thank God for that every single day. But honestly, you're looking for now monthly support. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to raise a, you, you actually have a goal. So why don't you share us a little bit about exactly what it is that you're trying to, to raise uh, in order to accomplish this, this work. Okay. Um, Wycliffe uh, has a, a, an excellent financial department that, that is able to, based on where you're going to be serving, able to create a budget that, that is a, a, a budget for you to be able to have a normal living lifestyle. And they have created such a budget for me. Um, and I need to have enough partners in, um, with, with me financially uh, in order to uh, reach that budget before November 1st. Um, the budget, uh, we don't normally talk about money, but uh, I will say this, that the budget for me in order to be here in Orlando, make a living and be able to pay my bills um, is um, uh, uh, 4400 uh, approximately $4,400. Um, now that seems like a lot of money, but I'm not going to a third world country where um, it would, would cost a lot less even for a family. Um, I'm staying here in the United States, and as a result, there are taxes to be paid and things like that. So um, that my budget is a bit higher than other other um, missionaries. Um, 
And in order for that to take place, I need people who are are willing to partner with me uh, financially every month uh, in order for those uh, um, expenses to be met. Um, And the deadline for doing that, um, Wycliffe has a plan for you to be able to build your partnership um, uh, organization. And that that plan is that you should have that done um, for me uh, by November 1st. Uh, if I if I don't do that, then uh, then um, this this won't happen, uh, and I, I I won't be able to uh, start working full time for Wycliffe. Um, so this is a pretty hard um, and fast um, deadline, shall we call it, um, in order to uh, gain the partners uh, that I need. Um, and I know that they are out there. I just have to find them. Absolutely, and I believe, and I want to affirm for you that. Um and, and I believe with all my heart, because God has laid this on you, and um, again, that your, your desire here is to serve the kingdom. And this is ultimately kingdom work, isn't it? it it's, it's a modern-day kingdom work that requires IT and technology, things that we take yep. for granted. I mean, we do. In, in America, we take for granted our, the fact that our iPhones and iPads and, and computers and Androids, that all those devices are just going to work. But the truth of the matter is, is we don't realize the billions of dollars of infrastructure that undergird all of that, all of that functionality. And um, so when we try to take that technology and to leverage it for the kingdom, there's a cost that's involved. And that cost has to come from somewhere, but um, that comes from God's people. And so, um, you, but you, again, every little bit helps, right? I mean, you'll take $5 a month, you'll take uh, $5,000 a month, I imagine, but um, you're, you're, you're just saying, hey, partner with me in this. If God is moving you, even if it's a small, small amount, every dollar counts. Isn't that right? Yes, that's very true. I have uh, partners who are, are giving uh, small amounts every month, and I have partners who are giving me uh, amazing gifts every month. Um, but uh, the, the total has to be met before I can start working. Um, and I would love to be able to stop doing my everyday job so that I could be spending every day at Wycliffe um, working in the IT department and supporting uh, other people who are doing the translations. So, And I know that you and I have talked about, and the need is so great there in the IT department. Um, it's not as if you're just going in and just picking up some work. I, I know that you've shared with me that there is a huge need, that they are way behind, that they, they need all the help that they can get. Yeah, um, between 60 and 80% of all the uh, quote-unquote employees at Wycliffe are self-supported. Um, and so when uh, in the IT department, um, you know, IT people, they make a lot of money in the regular world. Um, and uh, Wycliffe can't afford that. Uh, and they've chosen not to afford that. So uh, between the, the different Wycliffe uh, partners, um, uh, there's three locations for Wycliffe. Uh, one of it's called SIL. Another one's for the language uh, in Dallas and in uh, the Carolinas. And between the three of those the locations, just stay home people uh, in the IT departments, there's probably um, well over 100 positions that could be filled. Wow. So I'm going into, when I... 
when I get this done and, and I have my partners and I'm able to start working there, I've got a huge, <laughs> a huge opportunity to p- practically pick what I need. But, but what I will do is, okay, what is the most important need right now? And when that need has been met or is is been uh, able to be worked on, I will change my job. They will, I will work with the head of IT, and we'll sit down and go. You know what, Don? You've been doing great in this position, but you know our current need is over here. Can you do this? Sure, uh, let me go do that. So uh, I don't anticipate that my job, whatever it ends up being, uh, as soon as I walk through that door, hopefully on November first. Um, is is going to be uh, something that will be the job that I just do f- forever. It's going to be the job that's most needed at the moment um, because everybody wears multiple hats at Wycliffe because there's such a need for people in IT. And I can only imagine that. Well, so Don, here's the here's the question that uh, I want to ask you: Is how can people get in touch with you, and how and where do they send uh, their donations? <laughs> Okay. Um, in order to get in touch with me, um, they can um, either call me. I, I'd be willing for them to call me, um, and uh, they can call eight one eight four four five one two five zero. They can email me, uh, and that email address would be um, uh, d a w n underscore l o o m i s at wickliffe dot org. Or um, if they uh, would like to uh, make a donation, uh, they if they want to do it um, by mail, uh, they would um, make a check out um, to Wycliffe Bible Translators. And on a separate piece of paper, and this is important because of the, the duality of my position as a member and an employee, um, they need to not put my name on the check. Uh, but they can mail the check with that separate piece of paper for the... Uh, saying for the benefit of uh, Don Loomis, um, you would mail it to Wycliffe Bible Translators, uh, P.O. Box 628200 in Orlando, Florida, and the zip code is 32862. Um, And if they want to donate electronically, uh, going with that technology, um, they can go to uh, www.wycliffe.org forward slash partner forward slash dawn d-a-w-n and uh, that'll be my page on the Wycliffe page and you can make a uh, donation that way Um, and if they'd like more information just contact me or go to wycliffe.org there's plenty of location uh, things to do on on the Wycliffe's bible um, bible translation webpage uh, for prayer um, and advocacy um, and if uh, you just need any more information, either of the ways to contact me. Well, thank you, Don. We'll have all of that information available in the show notes of this uh, podcast. And so if you're listening to this and you're moved, and, and listen, Grace Nation, it takes all of us. It, it really does take every one of us to be able to um, to support missionaries like Don. And, and, you know, and it's really about how God is leading you. But if you are listening to this podcast and you're saying, hey, I want to support Don, even a small donation, I mean, even forego a cup of coffee at Starbucks once a month, um, every dollar matters. Every dollar counts. Well, Don, thank you so much for taking the time to come here on on the show. And uh, it's just a delight to be your pastor. And, and thank you so much for 
walking uh, with me, and it's been a pleasure to walk with you through all of this. Thank you. I really appreciate everything that you've done for me, uh, Father Jonathan. And uh, it's it. The road is just beginning, and I'm excited to where it's going to lead. Amen and amen. God bless you, Don, and thank you so much. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Hey, listen, if you'd like more information about Don, you can always go to the show notes at mygracenation.com. And now, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. Listening to Grace on Fire, a verb creative production. For show notes, links, and more, please visit mygracenation.com.